0: I will say this, if you were literally were talking to your spouse or to Jesus uh, this week, um, about or this week or this month, even this year, about, hey, God, I feel like you're, just, you're calling me to give above and beyond what I'm giving right now to someone and something. We believe in Story International, and, uh, and I would love for you guys to begin supporting them. And uh, so we, you can just talk to Randall about that, and uh, we'd love for you to do that. All right. Uh, well, let's dive in this morning. Um, we're going to do baptisms in a little bit. We have five today. We're super excited about that. Um, but I want to kind of just uh, start at this point first. Hey, thanks for um, thanks for just giving us grace to be gone for the last uh, two Sundays. So two weeks ago, uh, we my, my girls went to my parents' house, and then Randall and I got away just for four days by ourselves, kind of a spiritual retreat, kind of a marriage trip, right, where we literally went to the beach. We'd wake up in the morning. We'd spend time with Jesus kind of on our own up until about one o'clock, and then we would make lunch, grab our cooler, and head down to the beach until the sun went down, right? It was perfect. We had a really, really great time together, just together in what God was doing, and so it was just a really rechar- recharge and refreshing time. But last week, we were actually uh, in uh, Mammoth Lakes, uh, California. If you're friends with Randall on social media or my girls, you probably saw some of those pics. We actually uh, got invited to come out and do a wedding uh, for Alicia's brother, Austin, and his wife, Megan, right here. You can see me in the background. That's their brother, uh, Addison, on the right in the white tie, or excuse me, the white shirt and tie. And it was just a great, great time. If you've never been to Mammoth Lakes or been out to that area of California, like it's like right next door to Yosemite, you just need to make it happen. Like I'm talking like start saving right now in your penny jar and go out. I mean, it literally, I want like, so just so you know, so behind that arbor where I'm standing is a massive mountain that when I looked back, I had to do this on my right was a lake with a waterfall flowing into it. And to my left, I watched trout fishermen literally fish for trout while I was doing the ceremony, heaven on earth for a guy like me, right? And so it was so, so much fun. It was awesome. So Austin and Megan are actually missionaries of ours. Also, they're working with Story International in Guatemala. And uh, man, they're in Hawaii right now, suffering for Jesus. And so, man, it was just man. We had a great. So it was a blast. We had a great time, and so good for our family. And literally, it was fun. So we had so much fun. Thanks tonight. Uh, Scott killed it while I was giving it up for Scott while he was while I was gone, just killing it. Yeah. Um. So I got back, listened to his podcast, and I mean they were really, really good. Man, I was so moved by it. We're actually going to launch from his messages today. So let me just say this: I'm going to sum up his messages just to kind of help us launch into today. Uh, but I want you to hear me say this: that uh, you need to listen to the podcast, right? I'm not going to do it justice. I'm going to take some of the, his his message and sum it up this morning just to put it in my language, just to kind of help us launch. Uh, but I want to hear here's the summation. It's this one paragraph. So two weeks ago, Scott he started and kind of built. Around this question, and I want you to hear the question. I apologize, I'm not on the screen, I should have put it there, but what did you intend to happen in the moment you prayed for salvation? Dramatic pause. I'm going to say it again. What did you intend to happen in the moment you prayed for salvation? Scott's whole argument, the idea he's building around us, like so often when we give our lives to Jesus, we, we, we give our lives to Jesus and we quote unquote get saved, we pray a prayer for the purpose, right, of, so when we die we can go to heaven. Right. And, and that absolutely happens. But it is like one small fraction of the salvation pie because the idea what Scott kind of built and encouraged you to listen to his overarching thought was this. You didn't pray a prayer. God didn't have you pray a prayer just to get to heaven someday. But instead, he had God had you pray a prayer so you, you heaven would come down. Right. Heaven would come down. You could enter into the kingdom now. Right. You would fall more in love with Jesus every day. You could walk with him every day and then do the things that he calls you to do, right? And so what we're talking about is he's saying, God saved you so that you could enter into his kingdom, enjoy the bounty, enjoy the bounty of what's present in his kingdom in relationship with him every single day of your life, right? So that when you enter into the fullness of heaven, you're like, I've already I've already tasted and seen that this is good, right? Because we're experiencing it here. And so the idea is God didn't save you then for your own personal kingdom. And he talked about sin management just so I can pray and really make it till I get there. No, but to live in the fullness of what God has today. The idea being simple. God prayed me. God had got to judge. You pray a prayer, give your life to Jesus and follow him because there's so much more. And if there was this one thing that I would put into that that I took away, I was like, God, there's just so much more than my personal kingdom, my personal agenda, my personal passions, my personal desires. God, it's about your kingdom, your agenda, your desires, and your dreams. Like when God looks to the future, right, of our future, he has dreams and aspirations, things he's looking forward to for us. There's always more. And then last week, Scott talked about what we've historically known as the spiritual disciplines, or John Wesley would have called them, means of grace, right? And But it's the idea, it's like, in the picture that I always use, is that like there is this river of God's spirit, his grace, his blessing, his movement, his power, all this, there's this river of God's grace that is always in front of us. Always flowing, always moving. And when we engage in prayer, when we engage in worship, when we engage in Bible study, when we engage in fasting, we engage in simplicity, when we engage solitude, it's our act of putting ourselves into the flow of God's grace, his river, his movement, his power. And so our acts of these disciplines we do, they don't move God they're moving us to where he's already moving. And so we talked about all of those last week. I mean, it was literally like he said, it was like this, like fire hydrant. It was like, open it up and go, right? And so I encourage you, listen to it because he goes through. Listen, real quick, I didn't, I should put this on the screen, but there are a couple of books I want you to get. One is um, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It was written back in the 70s. Man, millions of copies have been sold. It really is probably the most well-known book talking about these means of grace, for disciplines, the river of God that you can dive into, okay? Another one that R- Dallas Willard called, called, um, oh my gosh, the, the dis- spirit of disciplines, the spirit of the disciplines. I think Scott probably pulled some of his information from that last week, so it's been fantastic. Like, I would say this. Richard Foster's for guys like me, a little bit easier read, and Dallas is a philosopher, so he's big words, right? But so powerful and so good. They're both fantastic. I encourage you. There are other books about it. Just anything you can read along those things would be fantastic. And the idea, again, man, we there's just more. And so we're going to dive in this morning and talking about this idea of more. So we to take a deep breath. All right, because I went pretty quick in the summation. You're like, oh, man. All right. So The primary word, then, that we're talking about, I'm going to slow down so that we're not getting so excited so you can pay attention. When we talk about this word, the kingdom, it's the idea of surrender. Like, we want to be a people who are Surrendered. And so that's kind of this birthplace that Scott was talking about, this idea of like we're surrendering to the kingdom of God. We're surrendering our lives, surrendering ourselves. Right. And the idea for surrender so often is surrender in our culture at least. Man, it's just it's like a bad word, right? It's like a bad word when we think about surrender. It usually has negative connotations. It usually speaks to like someone who's losing a battle they really hope to win, right? This reality of acknowledging that we've been defeated in something, right? It usually means a sense of great loss and a loss of hope. It reminds me of when George Tech plays Georgia. They just surrender their hope of losing to Georgia every time, right? It's this fantastic thing. We see it in wars, right? Can I get an amen, Georgia fans? Right? Amen, Georgia fans. Come on now. Now, whatever. So, no, we see it in the context of, like, we talk about wars. Like we see a lot of times we use the word surrender in wars. Like you have these two people that are opposed to one another, and all of a sudden every year, right, someone wins. And what are the what well usually in history they thought of, thought of as the bad guys, like what happens to them? They have to surrender. And all of these moments, and so whenever we think of the word surrender, it always has a negative connotation. And we and we see it happening in scripture and the immediate response of the disciples when Jesus is on the cross, right? All of their dreams, think about all these, these words I'm about to use, think about this. All of their dreams that they had for the future, all of their hopes, all of their personal aspirations regarding Jesus and the life of Jesus, they were crushed in the moment. They seemingly had to surrender all of their aspirations, all of their dreams, all of their hopes in the moment, thinking that they, but primarily thinking that Jesus had lost. Like, you can't forget that there was in history. Like, it was, they thought, gee, like, literally. We know that, remember in Luke 24, the, the walk to Emmaus, those two disciples that were walking back, and Jesus showed up walking with them, as scripture says, and they were kept from understanding and knowing who he was, right? And they're just walking, it's like, what's going on, guys? Why so downcast? And they said this We had hoped that Jesus, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, showing they had lost and they had surrendered their hope, right? Surrender in this feeling, in this sense, it's overwhelming and we get it, right? We, we all hate to lose. We all hate to, to surrender to someone or something that we believe is less than what is best for us. So we understand this negative connotation, this understanding of surrender, but As Scott alluded to in the past couple of weeks, surrender also has a very rich and deep and positive meaning. Very rich and deep and positive, meaning one that we believe God has been leading us to at vintage in this season. We believe that God is leading us in this season to a, to a place of surrender. And I want to talk about that this morning. And I want to talk about it maybe in a unique way and that we don't necessarily talk about on a Sunday morning. And it's around these prophetic words that we're receiving from people. And the second thing is I'm then going to open up scripture to talk about these prophetic words that we're receiving to kind of give a foundation. When I talk about prophetic words, it's Very, very simple. I want you to hear this. We believe that God's still speaking today. Right. And how do I know that? Because if you're a Christian, you had to hear him lead you to a point of salvation. Right. You were convicted of him speaking. And so. God is a good God. He's a good father who loves us and who is still continually every day leading, guiding, and directing us. And so we have people literally who spend, this is a true story, hours every week. Some people hours every day, waking up at 3.30, 4.30 in the morning, praying for vintage, praying for Randall and I. Praying for you and they're listening. God, we want to walk in obedience to what you have for us. What would you want us to know? And so every week I receive two, three emails and a couple of texts from people saying, hey, Steve, I was praying today. So I felt like God said I just submit that to you and see what God is speaking in it. So this morning, one of the words, I'm going to share one of the primary words that have kind of defined the last eight months for us. Okay, so I'm going to share kind of a summation of it. And then second... This thing is going to put up on the screen this prophetic word that we have. So the first part is just the summation of it, and I'm going to kind of show this bigger picture and then some pieces around. So, overarchingly, I want you to hear this. This is what we believe God kind of in a just in a short way, in a kind of small way, or excuse me, in a simple way is saying to Vintage: There is. Listen here. Hear this. Is hear the word of the Lord? I believe there is a wave of God's presence that is coming to Vintage a tsunami of his glory, it will be wonderful and it will be overwhelming as it will rock us to the core of who we are and it will change us. I'm going to read that again. What we're hearing from the Lord, I'm taking, here's the deal when when one person comes to me, I'm like, okay, thank you for that. We'll see what happens. When two people come to me with the same word, I'm like, okay. When the third person, a fourth person, a fifth person, a sixth person, and a seventh person all come and say, we've been in prayer. We believe God's saying this. This is what we're hearing. All like seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, I can't remember the people. They all come and say all the same thing. This is basically what they're saying. There's a wave of God's presence that's coming to vintage. I would say to the whole church, but we're praying for vintage. It's a tsunami of his glory. You know what a tsunami is? Not a Panama City beach wave, but a massive wave right? of his glory. It will be wonderful. It will be overwhelming as it will rock us to the core of who we are, and it will change us. So now I'm going to quote one specific. So literally back in October, we received this word from someone who was outside of Vintage. It's a long story. If you want to talk about this more in person, I'd be happy to to do coffee with you and kind of share the whole thing with you. But it says this, This is kind of this word that's launched us into this. I feel like there is a wave that's coming. And I feel like your church is perfectly positioned to actually receive this wave that's coming. And I felt like you were kind of stuck. You were like, do I go forward? Do I go back? But there was this resolve in your spirit that as you saw this wave coming, you literally, you and your church made a decision and said, No, I'm standing put. I know this is going to be uncomfortable. I know this is going to turn everything upside down. Many of us have been in this, have been in the ocean uh, when we've been hit by a major wave in the shore break. We don't know whether we're going up or we're down. Sometimes our face is in the ground and it's chaos. I believe God is coming with such a mighty wave of the spirit to your church. It's going to be just like that. You're not going to know whether you're upside down or your face is in the dirt, but there is something about you and your church that's saying yes But I believe right now that you are perfectly positioned, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. So for the last eight months we've been getting literally, it's like it's like at least once a month or twice a month. I, get, I keep on receiving emails, people who are disassociated, disconnected with one another, sending me these exact same types of things. I had a and part of this all kind of birth. I had a, I had a dream six years ago about this and I, exactly this and this kind of launched it. So there's this reality that we believe God is doing this move. And here's the thing about it. We believe that means there's a wave that comes individually, but those waves come corporately. They impact individuals and they impact the corporate body as a whole. And so the idea is very simple. I don't know if you know this or not, but when God wants to do something, it's best to say yes. I don't know if you know that or not. Like when your parents say to do something, you should probably do it. So when God father comes and says, this is my gift for you. That's how we receive it. This is my gift. This is my word. This is what I'm speaking. And you're like, I don't know what that means exactly. Right? So if you came to me and said, all right, what does this mean? I'm like, I don't really know. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but it's really hard to figure God out sometimes. Now, what I can tell you, historically speaking, from Scripture, is that when there's a movement of God, salvation for the lost, those who don't know, Jesus happens. And I don't mean like, oh, that's so great, came me life to Jesus. I mean like those who were super far from God get so convicted of their sin, so convicted about who God is. There's just a radical life transformation that changes everything. Those types of salvation. Like, just read through the books, read through the Gospels, read through the Book of Acts, right? We know whenever God's Spirit shows up, miracles happen. People are healed, right? Like God speaks to those who are in need of being spoken to. He leads, he guides, and he directs. So we know He's knowing some of those things. What will it look like? I have no idea. But, we're, but, but if God wants to do it, we just say, you do you, God. Yes. You do you. And so in this, these two words that we've been praying into and believing God's speaking, the idea is clear. If God is coming, then we need to do two things. These are the words we've been praying to literally for the past eight months. Preparation and surrender. Preparation and surrender. So the idea of prepare. We must get ourselves ready and in the posture of receiving. All right? This is just, and listen, this is not, not rocket. This is like super common sense, right? we prepare. We must get ourselves ready in a posture of a receiving. So just real quick. How many of you, right? How many of you have ever had someone come spend the night at your house? Just raise your hand. Put them up. here right? Okay. Did you prepare your house for their coming? Did you go clean the room? Did you clean the toilets? I and mean, you hadn't been touched in six months, let's be honest. All right. What did you do to your kids? Get your stuff up. Why is this on the floor? That's not in my house. right? No, like we start yelling at our kids, like, what's going on? Someone's coming to our house. Didn't you know they were already coming, right? Like, yes, just pick up. we got to prepare for their coming. Like when we use the analogy of the wave, I mean, think about the wave, right? It's like you watch like we were in New Zealand a few few years ago, visiting our friends, Jeff and Sherry and missionaries that we support. And it was so cool. Like we literally go to the area of New Zealand, they, they film Point Break, right? And so every primary surf company literally is housed in this town that we were in. And so we literally go out like and we go out and there's literally Hundreds of surfers, right? Hundreds of surfers, and these were not PCB waves, like I was talking about, right? These are the ones that you look at and go, oh my gosh, like you're gonna lose your breath, you get scared and thinking I'm not ever going into that ocean, right? Unless you give me like floaties or something, because this is so overwhelming and scary. And I'm like, this is huge. These things are like twice the size of my house. Like that's what we're talking about. So when you see these surfers, what do they do? They go out and they paddle. And they see a wave coming, then guess what they do? They then position their board, prepare themselves and position their board. So when the wave begins to come, they can begin paddling and go with the power of the wave. Like they were just preparing themselves. That's what the disciplines do that Scott talked about. God, I don't know what's going on, but we're going to put ourselves into your river of grace, your flow by the actions that we're doing, God, to prepare our hearts. To prepare our minds for what you're doing. The second word is surrender, right? We have to, listen, when the move occurs, to be honest with you, you have a choice. You either surrender or you don't. You either say yes or no. This is where surrender has more of that positive connotation, right? Surrender is about letting go and trusting God to lead us and move us. Surrender here is positive. It means letting go, right? Trusting God to lead and move. The two ideas, the two pictures. Like, have you ever, like anybody here, like either in California or somewhere else, I've been caught in one of those waves that's huge, like Spencer's raising his hand. Like, one of those that you get into it and you feel like you're in a washing machine and you're going to die. Right. One of those like you don't know if you're like, I said, here, up or down. I have no idea. Right. And so if you start trying to control that, and try to, like you have no idea where you're going. The only thing you can do is say, God, don't let me die is I surrender to the power of the wave and just let it roll me until it spits me out. And that's what we talk about in surrender. Here with the movement of God, is God, I don't know what you're doing, but I just surrender to your movement, Lord. And you just spit me out wherever you want to spit me out. And to be honest with you, ways like sometimes are a little overwhelming. Sometimes, like, oh my gosh, this is scary. And usually it revolves around death to self and death to control because I don't know about you, but I'm really good at trying to control my life. Really good at trying to control my life. That's my wife. It's like I. We drop look we walk to the car. Everyone knows I'm going to the driver's seat. I have control issues when I drive, right? Like, I mean, they're fine drivers. Reynolds good, and Ak and Stare—they're actually both really good drivers. But I'm going to go to the driver's seat. I got control issues. I pretend like I'm just serving you by driving, but really, it's control. I don't want to drive. I want to drive, right? And so I walk over. But here's the thing about getting into that place in the car seat. Guess what I have to do? I have to remain alert. 10 and 2, right here. Like, I'm watching everything. I can't I can't do anything. But be aware, be alert, and pay attention. Guess what they're doing? Sleeping. On social media. Eh, right? Taking pictures. Look who we're driving. Eh, right? It's like, man, I'm doing my thing. And Randall's doing stuff. And I'm like, they're resting, sleeping, hanging out, talking. I'm like, up, oh, I'm going to drive, right? Whatever it is. I'm in control here. Man, there's such a surrender. So the idea, there's really, there's more, listen, Freedom comes with surrender. Freedom comes not in controlling my kids, controlling my spouse, controlling my situation, controlling where I'm going, knowing the future, knowing everything that's going to happen. Control says, I have no idea, but God, I trust you. I'm not going to worry because you're Lord. Anxiety, worry, and despair have their root in control. They just do. And so in this, right, there's a surrender, God. You're in control. The picture I had on uh, uh, July 9th here, if you were here for our night of prayer and worship, was again the picture of a river. And it's like surrender is me saying when I walk into a river, if I try to control, it's like swimming upstream and I never get anywhere. But if I just surrender to the flow of the river, right, I feel like Michael Phelps is swimming. Oh my God, look how fast I am. I'm awesome. Like there's a surrender. Like get in and say, God, I trust. I don't understand, but I trust. I'm just going to flow. I'm just going to flow with you. And so that's what we feel like. God's doing this move. His glory is going to come. There's this massive wave that's coming. Here's the deal. To be completely honest with you, it's like we've prayed and and Ingrid's right here and she'll just confirm this. Everybody else who comes on Tuesday morning, it's like, I'm just going to pick on her a little bit. Like we're sitting here. She sits literally right next to me. I bask in her glory, right? And it's because she's just so holy. And so we're sitting there praying and someone kept on saying, someone literally kept on saying, He's, he's coming, and Ingrid kept on saying, he's here. He's not coming. He's here. He's present. I had a picture literally as we were praying. It was so confirming. Like We got all these pictures and the things God was speaking. I was standing on top of a dam, like Hoover Dam. We were like 20 minutes from it when we were in Las Vegas flying in and out. And so, like Hoover Dam, it's like, you've ever been there? It's like, oh my gosh, so massive. Like I was standing like a, like a Hoover Dam of God's glory. I saw water, and I saw this dry valley, and I saw dark clouds representing the movement of the enemy, right? And God said, it's time. It's time. I went, you do you, right? I don't know what to do with that. That's a little scary and overwhelming and great, God, but you're in control. You do you. We have to be a people who surrender. He's not just coming, but he's here. Therefore, we believe God's about to move in a unique and powerful way. And again, you may ask, what's it going to look like? And I don't know, but why don't you just jump in the river and see? Why don't you just prepare yourself and say, God, I don't know what's going to look like, but I want it. God, I want it, right? I want everything that you have. I want to be a part of everything that you're doing. I want to see the fullness of your kingdom. I want to die get rid of all the stuff. We're going to talk about that in a second. God, I just want you. Prepare and surrender. And So with that this morning, I, I want us to be those who go along for the ride. And so from John chapter 12, we're going to just end here and then we're going to do baptisms. It's going to be awesome. John chapter 12, starting in verse 23, going to verse 26. Probably a really familiar story of Jesus for you. It says this, starting in verse 20, you can just follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. I think I'm reading from the ESV. It says, Jesus replied. It's always important when Jesus talks. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world, keep that phrase, hates their life in this world, will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, that's where my servant also will be. My Father will honor the ones who serve me. So this, hear this, and kind of give me some grace this morning to kind of put this into our language for the morning, okay? So I'm not doing a perfect, like, description of what Jesus is saying, but I'm going to kind of put it into what I believe God's speaking in the moment. It will stay true to the scripture, don't worry. But verse 23, I believe, is talking about the greatest wave of God's glory the world's ever known, right? Again, this is my, our language this morning, but verse 23 says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Listen, guys, like our wave is like this, but this, this is the wave that changed history. It was the wave of Jesus coming to earth, dying and then being resurrected and then sending us his spirit so we could walk in his power. Like this is the wave of all waves for all of history, for all of humanity. This is the way, this is the moment, right, where Jesus is going to be raised up. He's going to be killed. He's going to be raised to new life. It's going to be amazing. Everything right here is going to Like you've read the Bible. You know that everything changed. Everything was turned upside down. All of a sudden, all the dreams and aspirations of thousands of years of Israelites and Jews was realized in the moment of Jesus. When moves occur, they change everything. That's the move. And so in this, then Jesus, I believe, recognizes three levels of surrender. Three levels of surrender that involved him and involved his disciples. Everyone say, I'm a disciple. So we're talking about all of us who know Jesus, right? So verse 24, the first thing we see is a surrender to God's will. A surrender to God's will. In verse 24, Jesus names his surrender to God's will. that He's going to die for the sins of his people, right? He says the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified, to be lifted up on the cross and to die for the sins of the world. And so in this, like we recognize because we've read the we've read the good book, right? We've read the, the story of Jesus. We know that his surrender to God's will. Was excruciating. We know it was overwhelming. In fact, Jesus knew it so well that he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, God, could, could you just change your mind? Could we just do it some other way, God? Is there some other ways where it's not so excruciating, right? It's going to be overwhelming to lose my friends, to have you turn your back on me, God, to take the sins of the world upon me, right? And so, But what does Jesus say? But not my will, your will be done. Like Jesus modeled for us. So for the wave to come here, Jesus had to surrender to the will of the Father. We have to be those who surrender ourselves to the will of the Father. Listen, the only way for salvation and breakthrough is if people die. For Jesus, it was physical. But for us, as Scott said, it is a death to our own personal kingdoms, our personal agendas, our personal dreams, our personal desires, so that we can then take on ourselves God's agenda, God's dreams, and God's desires, right? That's the idea. Therefore, I believe we can confidently say this morning, if God's will here could not happen or occur apart from the death of Jesus, then God's will of moving in our lives will and cannot occur in us apart from our own surrender and death to our personal kingdom. For God's movement to occur, there has to be a death to self. There has to be a surrender to God's will. Matthew 16, 24 puts it very clearly. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and die, basically, and follow me. For movement occur and for God's wave to be released, there has to be a surrender to his will in the same way as Jesus dying to self. Dying to our personal kingdoms is our priority so that the kingdom of God can come in fullness. Verse 25, we see a surrender to love. A surrender to the love of God as then we surrender to the reality that God's love and our love for God is by far, by far the greatest priority in life. So we saw in verse 25 an interesting phrase. Jesus, Jesus says, you have to hate your life. We see that also expressed in Luke 24 where Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciples, you have to hate your father and mother and hate your wife and your children. Now, we know that doesn't make any sense because Jesus loves our life. So we should love what he loves, which is loving our life. And we obviously know that Jesus wants us to love our wife, our children, our spouse and our friends, right? All this stuff. So what is he meaning? Well, it's simply this. It's just simply a figure of speech in the moment. What Jesus is doing is a figure of speech of comparison is saying, hey, to surrender. The idea is that in comparison to how much you love me, Everything else should be almost negligent and down here, right? We have to have this comparison. Like what he's saying is, hey, the priority of loving me is priority, and everything else is secondary. Every person in your life is secondary. Everything—it's as if you just have to create this comparison, saying everything else is here. Remember, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul. And all of your mind? I don't even know if it all means all. Every bit of you. And so there's just this, this reality here of surrendering to God's love and the idea of this figure is being listen, I, I'm literally, I, you thought know, your life is super important, but, but it has to pale in comparison. Your kingdom has to pale in such comparison that it just never measures, they're never on the same playing field just a comparison figure of speech to make a reality for us. We have to be these people who love God with everything inside of us. We surrender to the love of God. Hear this. We surrender to the love of God. is really our only primary agenda in life. Everything is a secondary. And the last thing is a surrender uh, to the Lordship of Jesus. A surrender to God's Lordship. We're about to baptize some people who have given their lives to Jesus. Super great, super fun. Those who are getting baptized. Austin and Brandon, especially, I want you to hear this. Malachi, Christian. When talking about salvation, when talking about salvation, there are two distinctions that need to be made. This is really like if you. I want you to hear this. This is really important for all of us understanding salvation. When we give our lives to Jesus, Jesus becomes Savior. And Jesus becomes Lord. Jesus becomes Savior. I know the screen just changed, changed, changed. Don't look at it. Look at me. Okay, I know. where I happen to get distracted super easy. Whoa, squirrel, right? And we give our lives to Jesus. He becomes Savior. And he becomes Lord. Here's the deal. We love Jesus as Savior. Oh, my gosh, God, I'm struggling. Please help me. Oh, I'm going to hell. Help me go to heaven. Oh, Jesus, oh, I'm saved, right? We love Jesus' as Savior and what he can do for us. But we don't love Jesus' as Lord because he says, now you have to do everything that I tell you to do and follow me wherever I tell you to go and your life is not your own anymore. I am Lord, King, and Ruler of your life. You can't just do what you want to do. And our tension is we love people who save us. We don't love people who tell us what to do. Right? We love Jesus as Savior. We have a hard time with Jesus as Lord. But verse 26 says, Whoever serves me must... Follow me, there is no other option, and for god 's way to come in our lives and to come through us and to others, then we must surrender to Jesus both as Savior what we receive from him and as Lord in how we follow him. And here is the great tension we face it 's actually easier to flow with the river of god's lordship than to try to swim against it. He is, listen, he is a loving kind, gracious, and good Lord, who when we follow Him, guess what Jesus promised? Those who follow me will have, what? Abundant life. What do you think God's bringing away? Just to make us miserable to die to our own kingdoms? No, so He can come in His fullness of everything we can't even dream or imagine of and pour it out into us as a people so that those who are dying and going to hell go, oh my gosh, look at the riches that they possess in the person of Jesus. I want that. Right? That's what we want. Everybody clap for Jesus, please. That's what he wants to do. Are you surrendered? Are you looking at your house going, man, I probably should clean up a little bit. Not to make him happy, just to make room for him. You know all the craps are, all the stuff in your life. It just gets in the way of Jesus. It's a distraction. And it's like, I would like to sit there, but I can't because something else is there. So we prepare. Prepare. So that we're like, yeah, 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 come, come, find a place. Yes, Jesus. Surrender. Lord, I know my kingdom. I like get on my own kingdom and I have my own passions. It's like you recognize like passions can be sin things that separate you from God. But your passions can also be the things you just think about your worry, your despair, your anxiety, all of those things like word about my kids, word about money. Those are passions. They're things you give your heart to other than Jesus that primarily take your attention. And I'm like, I'm going to surrender that Jesus. Is it easy? Of course not. How many of you know death is not easy? But it's worth it. Jesus is not coming. He's here. He's here. You got you got a little bit of time because he's good. I'm at the door. You want to prepare? I'm coming. I'm here. You want to prepare? You want to surrender? Just go do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Because i got more I want to get to you. We prepare. We surrender. And then we delight. And we enjoy the fullness and the movement of God. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God. We're about to do some baptisms, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that there are those, Lord, who have said yes. That you are Savior and you are a Lord at the same time. You, you can't just be one. You praise you, Father. Theology teaches us, God, you can't be. Savior at 9 and Lord at 18, theology teaches us, God, that at the very beginning, the moment we give light to Jesus, you were Savior and Lord all at the same time. You want to save us and you want to lead us, and there's no other way. And so, Father, I pray that you would lead us to this place this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. So here's the thing. Next week is our 10-year anniversary. We turned we turn 10 years old this week. It's crazy, right? Next week, we're going to have a time of just kind of sharing some of these stories of God's movement. So here's what next week's going to look like. we pay attention. Next week, next week, we are going to tell stories. You're going to tell stories. Right now, you're going to begin, God, what story do you want to have me tell? And here's the deal. You cannot say, I just don't speak in front of people. That's fear-driven, right? Someone needs to hear your story. Your family needs to hear your story. I'd love to have 30 stories told next week. You get a minute and a half to two minutes at most. You've got to honor the person next to you. You're going to tell the story of God's movement, what He's doing, what He's done in the life of the Vintage, what He's done in your life, right? And then it's fun after the after second service. We have food trucks coming to our parking lot. And we're just going to eat together and have a great time. Okay? So stories next week that you're going to tell. Everyone say my stories. Everyone say my stories. Thank you. So my, your stories next week, my stories. And then we're going to eat together and just have a good time, Okay? All right. Hey, kiddos, I need you. You'll spread out all the way to the side. Keep on going. You can sit in the aisle. It's fine. Okay. Hey, for those who are getting baptized, we're going to need all the information down there for babe. And then to grab those towels, and put them up here for them. Okay, hey, Trin. Excuse me, here's some towels. you grab those for please. Good job, Trinity. All right. For those who are getting baptized, this will be the easiest to come um, kind of right here. So if you're getting baptized, everyone come for There's five of y'all. Malachi, Christian, Kennedy, Brandon, Austin. Are they in here or are they getting dressed? Thanks, Malachi. Alright. Slow hopes. What are they doing, man? Kennedy, your, where are where your bros? Where are your brothers? Come on. Ah, here we go, y'all. They uh yeah. right, stand right here. This is the order. uh fine. We're gonna switch Brandon and Austin. All right. I have a few questions for you guys. This is Malachi. Raise your hand. This is Kennedy. Christian. Wave everybody. Wave. Thank you. This is Brandon. And this is Austin. I got a few questions for you. I want you to pay attention. Uh, you can just actually put your uh, put your tables right there. Thanks. And uh, here are the few questions. I want you to pay. I want you to listen to these and just answer. I do at the end. Of, okay. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, and maker of heaven, and the maker of earth? Okay. Do you, Kennedy? Okay. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as the long and his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, who rose again on the third day, and ascended to at the right hand of God, from which he will come to judge the living and the dead? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Um, let's see here. So you get to go first. So you can stand over here. The rest of you, can, you can just kind of sit over here out of the way if you don't mind. Fantastic. All right, whoever's coming up, family's he's going to come. Mom and dad. All right. Um, why don't you go ahead and hop in here? I mean, let me tell you. Look at me. It's super cold. Sorry. All right. All right. All right, Mark. So turn around, and look at your dad, because he is going. to... <laughs> Like, whew. all right. So, here's the thing that we do in baptism we do two a couple of different things. One, we have a time of affirmation. Someone who's super important in this child's life does what the Father did for Jesus at his baptism. He came up out of the water and said, This is my son who's awesome and I want the world to know. All right. So, we have a time of affirmation. Let me take some time just for someone who's important in their child's life to pray for them, and I get to dunk them or Scott gets to dunk them, okay? So with that, Mark, um, microphone, so everybody can hear your affirmation. I got it. One, two, there we go.
1: so encouraging the last some two years watching God's faithfulness unfold in your life. From the first time that I met Steve and we made the decision to make this our home, God's been at work and it's been, it's been so amazing to watch. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that your mom and I and your brothers and your sisters love you. The most kind-hearted, passionate kids that I know, and I can't wait for how, to see how God's going to use that in your life. You have such a unique mind, and I love to watch it work. It has a little bit of pain in your mom and I's life, <laughs> <laughs> but I know that that's just um, God getting you prepared for how he's going to use it. With your new life in Christ, I want to give you just a few tips. Number one, I want you to love God and love people. Number two, I want you to never forget that your mom is going to be the most important woman in your life until your wife bring you, until God brings you to God. Brings your wife. Don't ever forget that.
0: Amen.
1: Always remember that courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is only exhibited. When when you are afraid Don't run from discipline Because the word says that the Lord Disciplines those he loves Last Work hard Do whatever you do Just go after it I'm proud of you Malachi God's proud of you God loves you Who you are, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for your mercies.
0: If you could, could tell everyone just the microphone real quick. baptisms only the hardcore get baptized in vintage